transmitting live from the heart of Times Square on 99.5 FM, WBAI New York, Pacifica Radio for the Tri-State Area. This is Trump Watch, a weekly series investigating the actions of and reactions to President Donald J. Trump and his administration. I'm your host, Jesse Lent. Conrad, Tokyo, Sparrow, Pistachio, just done You can't use hairspray because hairspray is going to affect the ozone. I'm trying to figure out, let's see, I'm in my room in New York City and I want to put a little spray so that I can, right? Right? But I hear where they don't want me to use hairspray, they want me to use the pump. Because the other one, which I really like better than going bing, 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 and then it comes out in big lobs, right? And you're stuck in your hair and you say, oh my God, I got to take a shower again. My hair's all screwed up, right? I want to use hairspray. They say, don't use hairspray, it's bad for the ozone. So I'm sitting in this concealed apartment, this concealed unit. You know, I really do live in a very nice apartment, right? (laughs) But it's sealed. It's beautiful. I don't think anything gets out. And I'm not supposed to be using hairspray. But think of it. So Obama's always talking about the uh, global warming. That global warming is our biggest and most dangerous problem, okay? No, no, think of it. I mean, even if you're a believer in global warming, ISIS is a big problem. Russia's a problem. China's a problem. We got a lot of problems. That was then-presidential candidate Donald Trump speaking at a campaign rally in Hilton Head, South Carolina in December of 2015, footage courtesy of C-SPAN. President Trump is correct that chlorofluorocarbons, or CFCs, that used to be found in aerosol cans of hairspray did cause a hole in the Earth's ozone layer. But hairspray cans, at least if it was hairspray that was made in America, haven't contained CFCs since the late 1970s, as reported in Scientific American. With international limits on CFCs following with 1987's Montreal Protocol. And the main use of CFCs was never for beauty, but for cooling purposes, like air conditioning and refrigeration. Hello and welcome to Trump Watch. There's one major player who keeps returning over cooling chemicals, and that is DuPont. The more than 200-year-old international conglomerate led the way for CFC coolants through their patent of Freon. Then they led the way in pioneering the use of HFC and HCFCs, the refrigerants that replaced ozone-depleting chemicals made by, you guessed it, DuPont. So the so-called DuPont spin-off company, Chemors, is set to pioneer a new round of refrigerant gases after HFC and HFCFs were found to have their own dire environmental consequences. Here to break down the battle between the lobbyists, activists, the Environmental Protection Agency, and Congress over which chemicals will be used to cool a rapidly warming planet is Sharon Lerner, a reporter covering health and the environment for The Intercept. Sharon wrote the August 25th feature, How a DuPont Spinoff Lobbied the EPA to Stave Off the Use of Environmentally Friendly Coolants. She joins us now live on the phone. Hello, Sharon. Welcome back to Trump Watch. Thanks so much for joining me. Hello. Thanks for having me. Okay, I feel like we should say right at the top here that this is a very complicated topic with (laughs) lots of three-letter abbreviations, CFCs, HFCs, the EPA. 
So let's start with outlining what is at stake right now, because whichever side you're on, there's no denying this is a pivotal moment for environmental regulation in this country. Can you describe what Camores, the DuPont offspin, is attempting to accomplish here? Sure. So you're right. This is completely confusing, but there are some really big, uh, huge issues at stake. So... We're talking about chemicals that are used for refrigerators, for air conditioners, for for water coolers, um, for basically all sorts of refrigeration, right? And to to back up a tiny bit and just kind of, you gave some of this overview in your introduction. But we've been using, as you said, chemicals uh, since the 1930s that were made by DuPont, those were the, the first round, second round introduced uh, in the 80s after the Montreal Protocol. And now those chemicals that were replacing the first ones uh, are, are again up for replacement. So the chemicals that we use now for in a lot of air conditioners and refrigerators and whatnot are called HFCs. These chemicals are super climate polluters. They um, trap so much heat uh, and, and contribute so much to global warming that they, uh, when you compare them to carbon dioxide, which is like the big, you know, what everybody thinks of as, as the big climate problem, the big greenhouse gas, these are hundreds and sometimes thousands of times worse. So they trap hundreds and thousands uh, as much time. Uh, hundreds and thousands of times as much heat as carbon dioxide. And was this something that the information just wasn't available, or do we know if Mm. DuPont concealed that they were this much worse than carbon dioxide? Well, interestingly, with CFCs, which were the first uh, refrigerator and and refrigerants that were introduced in the 1930s, uh, there was quite a bit of time, more than 10 years, when the company knew... Uh, that they were eroding and uh, eating into the ozone layer and continued to sell them and also fought vigorously. The scientists who were saying, hey, look, this is happening. And said, no, it's not. We're challenging. They undercut the science and they, they fought uh, until eventually they said, okay, you're right. We're going to take them off the market. And in that you know, more than 10-year period, what they were doing was readying their replacements, which were the HFCs. Now, the HFCs, folks knew from the beginning, were climate polluters. Uh, and and now the focus, because at least globally, there has been this increasing focus on the warming temperatures, which, you know, we, we know all too well on this 90-whatever-degree day here in New York. Um, so so then we're, we're working on facing those out. Now, my story, the one we're talking about tonight, is about this next generation of chemicals. What should be next? Well, Camorras, which, as you mentioned, is a spinoff of DuPont, once again has the answer for us. So the chemicals that they're offering now are called HFOs. They are actually very similar to HFCs and are actually a kind of HFC, which makes it all very confusing. And maybe we should just toss out all the... um, the acronyms and just say very similar to uh, what we are using now. However, in their pure form, they have much less of an impact on the climate. And so these are being heralded as sort of the, the, the solution. And that is very much how 
Camores and other companies that make them, including Honeywell, are marketing them. They're the solution. Um, but there are a whole bunch of problems that we're already aware of, even before they've fully hit the market. And the problem, before we get into the details, the problem is that while they are poised to replace this last round of refrigerants with this new round of refrigerants um, that have some problems, serious problems that we'll talk about, there are actually chemicals that can do the same job, don't have an impact, a, a significant impact on the climate, and don't have the problems that their quote-unquote solutions are uh, posed. And the problem with those chemicals is that they don't have anyone going to bat for them. These are um, non-patented chemicals. Uh, including ammonia, hydrocarbons, and actually carbon dioxide, which when it comes to coolants, uh, because they're used in very tiny amounts, don't have the same impact uh, on, you know, on the climate than if they're coming from burning coal and whatnot. Yes, Anyways, this is a really these, interesting, I just want to highlight this, the carbon dioxide the, yeah, this aspect of your story, because, right, the option to the sort of uh, big... Uh, corporate conglomerate option, the DuPont option, are, as you said, these what you refer to as natural chemicals like carbon dioxide, propane, ammonia. Uh, these are chemicals yeah. with not a great track record among environmentalists. So are they used in a right. different form, or you're saying it's just because well, they're, they're used, used in such a small amount? they're used in very amount. tiny amounts. They're used in very tiny amounts. So like the amount of propane that's in a lighter uh, is similar to what you're going to have in a refrigerator. And they don't, they're not, uh, when it, when you're looking at the chemicals that Camorra's is offering, they have two problems, pretty serious problems with toxicity. Um, one is that in the production uh, of some of them, they give off this persistent chemical, means it doesn't break down, that is accumulating around the world already in water. Um, it appears to be toxic to some plants. We don't know fully what uh, impact it has on humans. But the problem is here we're, we're selling these things and putting this out into the world and it's accumulating and we don't understand it and it won't go away. And you can't get it out of drinking water. So that's one part of it. And the other is that they're... Um, actually using some chemicals, other chemicals that are to make, it's all very confusing, but basically to make the new chemicals, they're using some of the chemicals that are being phased out. So one of them is a very serious air pollutant. Uh, it's a carcinogen, and it's already uh, in our air so much. So all, all around the country that it's responsible for more than three cancers out of every million people, which is actually pretty high number if you think about it across the entire country. And that number was going down. This is the chemical that was being targeted, that is actually being targeted by the EPA as one of the top 10 that they're set to regulate by under the new chemicals law. So here's this carcinogen that was kind of on its way out. And now that we're making these new HFOs, it's set to increase. And so the problem is, you know, these are some significant problems. Um, but we have these alternatives. And <clears throat> what happens in, in my story, what, what my story ends up being about is that 
kind of how these transitions happen. When you're going from one set of chemicals to another, um, there people have choices, and actually the entire world has a choice now. And we should talk about because basically the entire world is in the process of phasing out this HF, these HFCs, which, again, are the coolants that we've been, or the refrigerants we've been using uh, in, many, uh, in many appliances around the world. And that's because we're about to, well, the treaty in 2016, many, many countries signed on to a treaty to phase these things out. Uh, it's called the Kigali Amendment. And so the industry industry is kind of preparing for this transition, right? Here we're about to have to phase out these old things. What are we going to replace them with is the question. Um, and so that's where you have basically a whole big industry, uh, mostly Camores and, and Honeywell are the biggest producers. There are others, too, who are really set to make sure that they get a place at the table, that when people when when companies are going to create new appliances, air conditioners, for instance, and refrigerators, again, that they're going to, if they can't use HFCs anymore, they're going to use these new chemicals. Um, so in addition to some of the toxicity issues we were just talking about, you know, the companies are marketing these as the green solution. And they even Camoras has teamed up with the NHL, the National Hockey League, and they're talking about the Green Rinks Initiative which is using these new HFOs instead of the old HFCs. And, and the idea is, well, isn't that great? We're, you know, we're going to be so much better for the climate. But when you um, look at, at the amount of warming they cause, it's actually quite a bit because they're selling them not on their own, not in their pure form, but combined with HFCs. So they still have hundreds of times the warming potential that carbon dioxide does. I feel we need to unpack this further. Yes, I'm speaking with Sharon Lerner, a reporter covering health and the environment for The Intercept. You're listening to Trump Watch. My name is Jesse Lent. Yes, Sharon Lerner, as you mentioned, uh, one way that this fight over regulating hydrofluorocarbons has played out is with the congressional fight over the international Kigali Amendment negotiated by the Obama administration back in 2016, which was meant to phase out HFCs, and 42 other countries have signed on to it, but was never ratified in the U.S. Senate. Back in June, The Hill's Timothy Kammer reported that 13 Republican senators, led by John Kennedy of Louisiana and Susan Collins of Maine, voiced support for the amendment, saying it would help domestic companies by leveling the playing field worldwide and giving them long-term certainty on what chemicals to use going forward. How likely do you believe it is that the Kigali Amendment could be ratified in the Senate, and how does this relate to DuPont's quest for dominance in the field? So, yeah, so I think as for the Kigali Amendment, I think everybody who, uh, the majority of folks who have any involvement with this issue support uh, the U.S. ratifying the Kigali Amendment. And what the, that amendment says is basically that it would commit the United States to joining these other countries and facing out HFCs. Again, these super climate pollutants, right? So that seems like a good idea. Uh, you know, the U.S., as you mentioned, has not signed on, and if you know, which is 
which is problematic and also not that unusual for the U.S. However, I do think we're moving in that direction. We have a faction of Republicans who are these uh, led by the a Competitive Enterprise Institute, these climate deniers who are saying, no, we shouldn't even do that. Uh, but the companies, the big companies, Camorra's, again, Honeywell, the major refrigerant makers, are actually supporting the U.S. Uh, signing on to Kigali. And if you think about it, it makes sense. Um, it, it seems inevitably at least the rest of the world is heading toward phasing out HFCs. And it'll actually help them to market and and bring to market their new chemicals, the replacements, the HFOs. So I do think we're headed there. And, you know, whether they're makers of natural refrigerants or, you know, which actually there aren't, but makers of appliances that use those or makers of HFOs, pretty much everyone agrees that we should sign on to Kigali and phase them out. Part of the problem, I think, though, is that at least the environmental advocates who are who are working on these issues, they really need the cooperation of the big companies to phase out HFCs and to and to kind of help this process along. And my sense was that really some of these environmental organizations are worried about alienating and stepping on the toes of these big companies um, by maybe you know by talking about natural refrigerants because they're not done with the process of Kigali and it's not all worked out yet. At the center of your Intercept article, there's a harsh scientific reality, which is that as the planet is warming, more energy needs to be produced to cool it down or cool our food down or our apartments down, our buildings down, which in turn heats the planet for reasons we've already been discussing tonight and then therefore needs more energy in order to make it even cooler when it's even hotter. Do you see any way out of this vicious cycle through chemicals or technology or any other possible solution? Well, just to clarify, and it's not so much the energy, really, when we're talking about refrigerants. It's more the um, potential to to trap uh, heat. It, it's, you know, that they're greenhouse gases. And so I think that, you know, it has to do, I, I do think a big important way out of it is to use, um, to use chemicals that for, for refrigerants that don't have high global, global warming potentials. And, and again, that's basically a scale that compares them to carbon dioxide. Now, I mentioned earlier that one of the new chemicals that's being introduced by Camorra's um, it's called Optian XP40. Not that anybody will, you know, come across it unless they're involved in installing refrigeration systems. But basically, that is the chemical that's being used in the Greener Rinks Initiative, again, with the National Hockey League. And it's touted as this green solution, right? But its global warm, uh, warming potential is 1,282, meaning it traps 1,282 times as much heat as carbon dioxide does. So... If you use a natural refrigerant instead of that chemical, um, you the natural refrigerants that I've been talking about, again, ammonia, uh, carbon dioxide, water, hydrocarbons, have a GWP or global warming potential between zero and four. So it's really a massive difference. And I, I guess it's, it's important at this point, 
we ha- we're ha- we're talking about a policy shift, and and we're talking about watching kind of how the EPA and how the companies and how the senators, when it comes to this treaty, how they navigate this transition. For us as consumers, it's also potentially going to be about demanding appliances that use natural refrigerants. Already, um, there are some, and I should say that the EPA recently, a couple of weeks ago, just passed a new rule making it possible now to buy hydrocarbon refrigerators in the United States, which that, that means they're using these natural refrigerants that don't have some of these uh, long-term, you know, persistent toxic chemicals involved, and they have low global warming potential. This is, so this, I think, is an important part of the solution, um, and it's, it's an awesome thing. The only kind of grim part of it is that actually the rest of the country, I'm sorry, the rest of the world has already been using these refrigerators for years, and we have been lagging uh, on this front, in part because of the stranglehold that the industry has on this market. Right. You talk about there's one possible silver lining to all of this, which is that developing nations who never upgraded to HFC-based cooling systems could simply modernize with these new uh, natural chemical-based systems you were just talking about and skip the original DuPont solution, which we now know had its own environmental consequences. What would need to transpire in order for that to happen? Well, yeah, so to to explain that a little bit further, they call it leapfrogging. That basically you don't you don't even the countries that haven't switched to HFCs don't have to switch back. But just to clarify that you know these natural refrigerants we're talking about were actually what we all used like a century ago before CFCs were introduced in the 1930s. And those chemicals, ammonia in particular, um they had their problems back a hundred years ago because they were flammable and people, you know, it was more than a hundred years ago, they didn't have the technology that we do now to use them safely uh, always. So, so here we're talking about going back to, you know, to before all these innovations really. And, and, if you look um, in Europe, there are some companies that are using carbon dioxide for automobile air conditioners, and it seems like oh, it's a huge step back. But really, we're we're going backwards to go forwards, you know, or forward to go, whatever it is. We're we're basically returning to the original products. Finally, in the last minute we have here. There's that old expression of "fool me once, shame on you; fool me twice, shame on me." How did DuPont trick the U.S. government into believing they had the solution to a problem they played such a big part in creating? And correct me if I'm wrong, how did they appear poised to do it again? Well, because they do have a product. They do have a product. And it's a product we all need as much as we wish we didn't, you know. And and we need it increasingly as, as the world is heating up. So they are a, a huge powerhouse company. They have lots of R&D. They have scientists working on this, and they do have a product. The problem is, but you're right, this is part of a pattern, um, a pattern of what we call regrettable substitutions, where you're going, you know, we end up being really under their thumb, right? Whatever you say, boss, it's like, you you know, we're not, we're not in a position to... Uh, 
to challenge the authority of their science, right, is how it's been. And also because, in part, I think, how do we get to this position? I think it's because we, in, at each juncture, have relied on them, needed to rely on them, to withdraw their products, you know, so to both withdraw their products and give us the next one. And I, I, it's unfortunate, but I have to say, at least in this case, we're, we're, we can approach this juncture in a smarter way. And I think, um, I think obviously that was the point of this story, but also there are it's important to look around the world and see how others are doing it. And in Japan and in Europe, they're already adopting these natural refrigerants and they have a a very different relationship to the industry. And I think that we need to, and we can much more easily at this point, uh, look around at what other countries are doing and learn from them. Thank you so much. Thank you. I've been speaking with Sharon Lerner, a reporter covering health and the environment for The Intercept. Sharon wrote the August 25th feature, How a DuPont Spinoff Lobbied the EPA to Stave Off the Use of Environmentally Friendly Coolants. You're listening to Trump Watch. My name is Jesse Lent. And that's going to do it for this week's show. Reggie Johnson engineered this program live. You can hear all 84 episodes of Trump Watch with Jesse Lent at soundcloud.com slash trumpwatchwbai or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you get your podcast from iTunes, please take a minute to give us a rating or a review. It goes a long way to helping other people find this show. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter, and I'll be back next Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. when we'll break down a different aspect of the Donald Trump administration. Until then, I'm your host, Jesse Lent. Talk to you next time. The least I could do Cause when he's charging his chopper Up and down your carpeted halls You'll think by contrast quite proper Never mind I stay